Beyond Prisons. My name is Jay, and I'm the producer of Beyond Prisons. Today we have an episode featuring Crystal Roundtree of the I Am We Prison Advocacy Network to speak with Brian and Kim about the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March. Before they get started with that interview, we want to start incorporating into Beyond Prisons more currently incarcerated voices. So today, we're going to start that by including some audio from members of the Free Alabama Movement and Jailhouse Lawyers Speak. This first clip is from Benyu Hannibal Ra-Sun of the Free Alabama Movement. I asked him recently whether even in light of the prison strike in films like The 13th, whether society at large is really aware of the state of prison slavery in American prisons. No, no, I know they're not. Um, and it's just because society has been misinformed about what prisons are. You know, for a long time, everyone worked under the, I'm not saying everyone, but you understand what I'm saying, worked under the assumption that the 13th Amendment abolished slavery. So we were taught, that's what we were told, um, and that's what we, we repeated for centuries. And so now we're coming to the point where we're not going to undo that in a couple of years or two or three years or, or whatnot. And we have to remember that a lot of the people who the corporations like the Alec corporations that profit off of this, they fund professors, they fund criminal justice programs, they fund these textbooks that are being taught, they fund these curriculums, they fund these internships to these large, you know, corporations. And so, no, society really, really society has no clue. It's only on the, on the grassroots level that these conversations are just not picking up. There are people in prison um, that don't even know about it. So know that if the message is, is having a hard time resonating and spread throughout the prison, how much more complicated it is to, to, to get that message out to the mainstream of society. Roundtree is the co-founder and director of I Am We, a prison advocacy network based in the Carolinas. I Am We is a hands-on human rights organization dedicated to advocating for prisoners. Their current focus is the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March, whose aim is to end legalized slavery by removing the exception clause from the 13th Amendment. Thank you for joining us, Crystal. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here today. In addition to the works of I Am We, Crystal is also a local community organizer and works with women and children impacted by domestic violence and poverty. Well, uh, Brian and I are excited uh, to have you here to talk about uh, the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March. And the first question that we have for you is, can you tell us a little bit about the history of the march and what the goals are for the march? Absolutely. Um, The March has been in the works and in discussion for almost two years at this point. It uh, was initially the brainchild and the idea from the prisoners themselves. I am the co-founder of a prison advocacy network based in the Carolinas called I Am We Prison Advocacy Network. And through that work and our interaction with uh, a lot of the uh, brothers and sisters behind the wall, 
in our discussions, you know, it's our goal to always try to figure out what we can do to challenge the prison industrial complex. And out of that conversation and the historical research uh, in the past, the 13th Amendment uh, was a constant that continued to show up. And, you know, the 13th Amendment definitely legalizes uh, slavery in this Mm -hmm. country. And through that conversation, we decided why not reemerge that movement? Why not bring, uh, it's never been completed. It's been started lots of times. Um, but it's it's not really been um, any real tangible results um, that have come from it. And so it was our goal to uh, restart up this discussion and dialogue about the 13th Amendment um, with a actual game plan um, mm-hmm. to be successful with it. Um, and so that's kind of the origins of the ideas uh, for the march itself. Um, again, it is a collaboration between uh, the I Am We Prison Act prisoners themselves, and it has really grown over the course of the, the two years, and so much of our time has been spent on providing education uh, about what the Constitution actually says and the fact that slavery is still alive and well and exists today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hence the need for this mass uh day of education and awareness on August the 19th of this year. Awesome. And uh, for the audience, I'll just read uh, what the 13th Amendment says. Uh, So Section 1 of the 13th Amendment says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the U.S. or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So, yeah, as you pointed out, uh, slavery has not ended, right? So what we have today and what we call uh, mass incarceration is an extension of slavery. And we see this best expressed in the 13th Amendment. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit about how you became involved in this work and how you came to start I Am We and, you know, a little bit of your personal story Sure. Um, so I have, uh, I'm just by nature, one of those people who are, who have been involved in so many different social justice causes and issues. Um, I'm pretty active here in my state. Um, my background actually in uh, community organizing and involvement, actually, um, my work initially locally uh, originally involved with uh, women and children affected by domestic violence and extreme poverty here in our community. And there was a correlation in doing that work. I realized that, you know, so much of this has to do with there's, there's a component of imprisonment or incarceration somewhere along the line. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes up to this whole new world that I actually was ignorant to about the real state of what is occurring within our criminal justice system, uh, within our prison system, and that it's actually designed this way. It's no, uh, 
it's no coincidence that 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 the system operates the way that it does and once that understanding came to me i was compelled personally to take a stand in in some form or another um, and I began interacting and communicating with formerly incarcerated individuals, and that led me to um, working with uh, several law students here in this area. And we formed the I Am We Prison Advocacy Network um, initially to be a resource for prisoners. We always, it's our ground, um, we're hands-on with the prisoners. A lot of people, you know, who claim to represent um, the prisoners or speak on their behalf where they actually don't communicate with them. And that's been it. It's our goal to be hands-on, interactive, visiting with the prisoners, uh, sending correspondence and materials, being a resources for not only them, but for their loved ones as well. And so in doing that work, the I Am We Prison Advocacy Network began um, talking with lots of prisoners, and there was actually a, a prisoner-led organization that was formed underneath the I Am We family, which is called Jailhouse Lawyers Speaks, um, and that now includes um, a whole lot of prisoners, not just only the Jailhouse Lawyer Speaks family, um, but prisoners all throughout the nation. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, so Brian, do you want to uh, ask a question? Yeah, I'm wondering, um, you know, I know that you have been working on this march for a while, and I'm just wondering if you can speak a little bit about your experience in organizing it, maybe where uh, you're at with organizing it, and the kinds of support um, that you all are looking for um, as, as we make our way towards August. Sure. The march, you know, it started literally with just an idea. We had no resources. We had no, we didn't have any large names behind us. It's truly been grassroots from the, from the beginning, and it continues to be. Um, much of the work are from regular, everyday people who believe in this mission and this cause. A lot of people are directly impacted um, by imprisonment got people from all aspects of from prison reform to prison abolition uh, involved here in this movement. Everybody could really rally around the 13th. You know, that was something universally understood that slavery needs to go. It needs to be abolished. It's, right. you know, it's 2017. And so with that unifying message, people, even if they're even if their uh, foundation was in something specific like solitary confinement or juvenile without life or the death penalty, they still saw the value in all of us coming together as a collective to voice our concerns on the main stage. And right. so people have been, you know, creating materials, creating flyers, word of mouth, a lot of, you know, networks speaking about the march and encouraging other networks to participate in it. And that has been um, how we've come together, how we've come together. It's been a small group of people with a large idea and we're counting on the people to make it happen and they are really coming through. So we're excited about that. Um, we do have a national committee. Uh, which is comprised of myself and some other volunteers. And we more so um, discuss the specifics of the march, like what, when it will start, when it will end. We're in charge of things like getting our permit approved with the National Park Service, um, buses and lodging, and all the fine details that it takes to plan a march. 
And right. none of us are professional planners, I'll say that. So it's been trial and error. And <laughs> it has been much trial and error. It has been a reliance on people who have experience in certain areas. Fully a collective people-powered movement. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we, we do consider this to be a movement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as far as where we are right now, we are still encouraging people to continue to do what they have already been doing. Keep sharing, keep spreading the word, keep letting people know the importance of this. And we will need that same group of people after the march because the march is a one day event. The march mm -hmm. is to bring awareness. The march is to say, hey, this is the problem we've got going on. We need to do something about it. And mm -hmm. we are formulating um, myself and another committee, a group, very knowledgeable group of people we are formulating right now um, a plan of what we would like people to, to do after the march because this is such a long and protracted struggle. I mean, when you're talking about removing uh, something from the Constitution, making constitutional changes, that is a long process. Much of the work, most of the work will actually take place after. All we'll need that same fervor and that same energy. Okay, so you were talking about what happens next, and that's a wonderful segue into the question that I actually had, which was, you know, so what do you envision um, for after the march? Because as you pointed out, you know, that's where a lot of the work is going to take place. And, you know, um, it, getting rid of uh, or amending, um, you know, something in a constitution is uh, is a big undertaking that is going to require a lot of, you know, different kinds of efforts. So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, so as I was saying, most of the work, the, the, the march itself is a, is, is a one-day event, and the purpose of the march itself is to bring this mass education, the mass awareness, the kind of pull the curtain off behind this prison industrial complex that we've got going on. And, but majority of the work and of the work actually takes place after August the 19th. We're going to need the same energy from all of these people who, who, who have been so supportive all the while. We'll need them to be as involved, if not more involved, after the march. Um, we have a committee right now, we're working very diligently to come up with some specifics for people to um, act on after the march. Um, we know that, you know, you've really got a short window of people's attention span and, and, and coming with solutions to the problem after the march is not the most uh, effective way for us mm -hmm. to be successful. So we're we're we've got two specific points of demand for the march. The first one is the removal of the exception clause from the con from the Thirteenth Amendment, um, and as you mentioned, that is that that is a very specific and 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 huge undertaking. Um, so we are brainstorming right now with some very informed people on the best uh, plan of action for us to be successful for that. Our second point of demand are uh, we're demanding congressional hearings. Um, it needs to be recognized officially that this is, in fact, a violation of, of, of human rights based on international law. And um, 
we chose to kept, keep it simple. Those are only two points of demand, but those are some pretty heavy points that take mm-hmm. a lot of, right. a lot, a lot of work mm-hmm. following this. So we, we will on August the 19th have that all together. We are still uh, enlisting individuals who may be knowledgeable in those areas um, to come join us, to come join our team, to sit down at the table because we're we're very serious and intentional about what what we're doing. So often, even in the beginning, people would say, "We're tired of marching. Why another march? Why?" And so we don't want to have another meaningless march. We don't want people to invest their time and resources um, into this movement and cause and, 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 you know, things continue to be the same. So um, in addition to that, we are encouraging people to uh, start I Am We chapters because this is the work of I Am We going forward. Now, we will certainly continue to advocate and educate and do all the things that I Am We does, but um, one of the, 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 the main causes that we have chosen to take up um, is slavery. And we certainly know that this is one of the greatest human rights causes of our time. And it's certainly worthy of our... Right. Going, going back to, you know, what you were saying about this, uh, you know, being deliberately led by people who are directly impacted. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what people... Um, on the inside, you know, both have been doing to resist uh, slave labor and if there's anything uh, maybe that you know of that people are planning on doing um, in concert with the day of the march uh, or or anything of that kind. Sure. So um, I can say, I can say that the prisoners are very excited about the August the 19th march. The amount of mail that we receive at this point is amazing. I mean, it is truly, there's um, deep appreciation for this. Um, You know, they're just very excited about what we've got going on. In conjunction to all of the planning that's going on here on the outside, a lot of prisoners are planning to be in solidarity on August the 19th as well. Um, the month of August was actually selected to host the march in honor of Black August. And that is a historical month of prison resistance within the prison system. And a lot of important things have occurred in August. Um, so that is why August was actually selected. And in conjunction with the historical um things that prisoners have taken place um, with in August, some of those things are they will be fasting. Um, Some prisoners will be wearing black armbands to show their solidarity. Um, It's also been requested that they refrain from spending money of any type within the prison system. So that would include things like commissary and JPay and um, so they're excited about it. The, you know, they're doing whatever they can within their means to be in solidarity with this event. They have also been really encouraging their family and friends to participate um, in this. As a matter of fact, I'd say about 20% of the participants that we 
um, have received here from the outside have been led to us by the prisoners. Hmm. So it is my understanding that um, a lot of talk and discussion um, is going on um, behind the walls in ways that they can be in solidarity and support um, these efforts. Fantastic. Um, and one of, one of the things that always comes up, um, at least for me in, in uh, conversation with other uh, activists, uh, both inside and outside, is um, the, the ramifications of activism uh, inside, you know, the implications of activism, uh, because it is, you know, we, we interviewed uh, five Mualim Ak uh, a few weeks ago, and, uh, you know, he said it was really difficult to be an activist on the inside. Um, and have you g heard anything, gotten a sense uh, from anyone inside that uh, they have, that the prison uh, officials have signaled to them um, any kind of quelling or cracking down on people who participate in these acts of solidarity? Because it, I think that's a concern. I first got my experience with dealing with the officials and some of the retaliation during the September 9th strikes that occurred last year. Mm -hmm. uh, many of the Jailbear Speaks members as well as other uh, prisoners throughout the nation did experience uh, prison official retaliation for participating. And we have not received any word uh, from anyone that they experienced of retaliation from any prison officials in their state. However, we are monitoring those incidences closely and <laughs> uh, thing that we assume should not uh, cause any sort of um, effects for the prisoners. However, we're talking about the system. And so mm -hmm. th things don't always. And mm -hmm. so uh, we have been informed by um, the um, NLG, National Lawyers Guild, representatives mm -hmm. providing representation and assistance to us as well as to the prisoners if that should be the case. Uh, so mm -hmm. we're keeping a close on that uh, situation to see if anything does develop or come up. Um, but given uh, the knowledge of how things generally work, something may come, come out of it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, because we know that, you know, in prison, any any act of resistance, whether it's, you know, perceived as violent towards officials or, you know, COs or staff um, doesn't matter. Right. It's like <laughs> they will attempt to crack down on those things and retaliate in ways that make it really difficult to um, to to prove and to um, and, and to resist and they do it for that purpose because that they know that they're not going to really be held accountable right um yeah so you, you talked about this uh not just the march but what comes after as being a grassroots movement and uh, i'd love to hear more about um how you you know regular people are being are, are involved in this right because i think so often we have a sense that uh activists are people who are doing you know um it, who are extraordinary people right and that they're not just you know 
regular people who have full-time jobs and are carrying on with their families and everything else. And their activism is part of that life, part of their identity, part of their existence, right? Um, so can you talk a little bit about, you know, um, who's in a movement and how folks can get involved um, if they want, not just with the march, but also with uh, the work that will come after? Certainly. We, um, you're absolutely correct. You know, I am a very ordinary person. I um, work full time. I have children. Um, my husband is in prison. And as you know, that, that alone, what I just mentioned is a full time uh, commitment. Right. Um, but when I think you're passionate about a cause, you find a way and you find time to um, invest in those things. And, you know, for me, I feel like if, if I don't do it, then who will do it? And so many people that I meet have that attitude. They have that. These are just regular concerned citizens, people. Some have been impacted. Some people have not been impacted, but there's a problem. And when there, whenever there's a problem, I think you'll find people. It's just a part of humanity, of who we are. People will rise to the occasion. And, and that is so much of uh, who our members consist of, who our supporters consist of, our regular, everyday people. Um, sometimes I come across people who say, well, I don't have this qualification or that qualification. And I'm saying, can you send an email? Can you write a letter to your local legislator? Can you tweet something on our behalf? Can you, and that's what it takes. That's all it takes. You know, it takes a, a collected effort of, you know, small steps equal up to a, a, a larger, because this seems impossible. I'll tell you right now, this seems impossible to say, we're gonna amend the constitution, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not, it's not impossible. It'll take a long time, but it's not impossible. So people um, are encouraged, you know, welcome to not only get involved with the, the march itself, as you mentioned, uh, but most importantly, the work after the march, um, which is where our real results will uh, lie. I'm currently in contact with the U.S. Human Rights Network. I am we. We are a member of the U.S. Human Rights Network, and we're actually trying to take this issue before the U.N., um, next year. And, uh, so we just need people to do what they can wherever they are. Um, and even if they themselves think that that may be something small in reality, it's a huge contribution to the overall effort. Wonderful. Wonderful. Great. Brian. Um, yeah, just sort of quickly, and I'm sorry if you mentioned this before, but as a clarification, um, so for people who can't, you know, make it to D.C. for the march um, on on that day, is there anything that you're asking them to do? Like, are you asking people to hold rallies in their own communities? Um, you know, if there's anything you could talk about there, I'd be interested to know. Several um, people. We've got a large number of supporters actually in California and Texas and, and way on the West Coast and other places. And we've got some supporters in Canada and, and other people in the Netherlands. Uh, it is my understanding that they will be holding solidarity marches or rallies or demonstrations or however they choose to uh, call it. 
Right. Uh, but it's all in honor of the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March because we want August the 19th to be a worldwide day right. for prisoners' human rights going forward, even after 2017. So a lot of people, I mean, it's, it's expensive to get to Washington, D.T., and a lot of people cannot make it there. Uh, so we are encouraging individuals to host solidarity events, and that could be five people or 500 people, whatever you're able to organize in your area, um, be out there with your signs and take photos, and we would love to collect those photos. Um, but yes, we are encouraging people to do those solidarity events. If you're not able to do a solidarity event, whatever you are able to do, sharing a flyer, um, it all counts. So Great. One of the things that you just mentioned a couple minutes ago was that, you know, this idea that this seems impossible, right? That uh, it's unrealistic to think that, you know, we're going to um, get rid of this, you know, the penal servitude clause. Um, and uh, I think that that's also part of what this, you know, we can talk about capitalism, we can talk about, you know, a lot of other things. So without getting into that very long, you know, protracted discussion, um, <laughs> let's, uh, can we talk a little bit more about um, why this is realistic and why this is a hopeful movement uh, and not just a march, right? That this is, you know, because I think that there are two things happening here. One, I, I don't want to minimize and I don't want people to get the sense that, you know, marches don't matter because I think that marches do matter and that it's a public show, um, you know, or showing of, you know, the, the social um, movement uh, and, and social change that needs to happen alongside the political transformation that we're seeking in the society, that we need both of those things, right? And I think that marches speak to that. Beyond the march, right, which is the component that you're saying, you know, 95% of the work will, will take place after the march. Um, I think that that's also, you know, a really significant part of it, but that people tend to feel, um, even if they don't always say so, that you know, these things are so far off and, you know, it's unrealistic to think that, you know, we're going to, um, that we're going to change that. And I want to, I want to kind of shift people's thinking about that. So that's my evil plan right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to, you know, really get people to think that, yeah, this is, this is a, a something that's possible. This is something that is realistic. And I think that, you know, when I, uh, when I talk to, you know, talking to you, talking to other people who are involved in this work, that it can seem like, you know, such an overwhelming, um, it, it can all seem so overwhelming. And it can, it's just like, how do we get through all of this? And that can be discouraging. Um, but we're not doing this work because we're discouraged. I think we're doing this work, or at least I am, because I'm really hopeful and I'm optimistic right. and I'm seeing people around me who also share in that you know, in that optimism, and I don't mean in a superficial kind of, you know, motivational poster kind of way, I think um, we actually believe that this is possible, right? So do you mind talking about that a little bit? Sure, sure. Those are some fantastic points that you bring, because 
this is this is this is a movement with a purpose. This is a movement with a goal, and we not only want to highlight the problem but the possibilities. And this is very possible. You know, the support, as you mentioned, is growing. Uh, I remember years ago, no one was even aware of the problem, and and even <laughs> even today, I I approach people who who um, have no idea what I'm talking about. And, and, and it's easy to become discouraged, but on the other side, there are, there are thousands and thousands of people. I mean, I could go on forever talking to people who this is, this is, they understand this. They know what's going on. They believe too in the possibilities. And I think people who are coming out on August the 19th are hopeful as well. I, I I think that everyone is coming change. Everyone is coming to bring their contributions and their ideas and their solutions um, for change to this situation. And so it is absolutely within our graphs. There are steps laid out on how you uh, actually go about changing or amending the Constitution. And we plan on taking those steps. And so (laughs) <laughs> we're excited. We're we're actually excited about it. We're going into this march with excitement. We're we're going into this march with hope. We're going into this march with the with with the power of the people behind us, mm-hmm. and so it is a really um, encouraging thing for all of us, despite the uh, pessimism um, that uh, has come our way oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So we ask all of our guests uh, a final question. Um, and that question is, you know, um, how do you see abolition? You know, abolition to me, um, or an abolitionist is, is anyone who stands up to any form of slavery. And for some people that may be limited to one area or another. Um, But for me personally, I I know and I recognize that slavery not only still exists today, but that it closely resembles the transatlantic slave trade as well as chattel slavery. And the purpose of this remains the same. (laughs) You know, it's to exploit certain classes of people for commercial and personal gains. Um, we think that the work of abolition should be the, a concern of every person, whether you realize that you're impacted by it or not. Mm-hmm. And just as the abolition in the 18th and the 19th centuries created movements demanding an end to slavery, they're taking a stand to demand the same thing, um, specifically legalized slavery which is allowed by the 13th Amendment of the Constitution. And as I said before, this is certainly one of the greatest human rights causes of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, and abolition, the work of abolition, whether it be prison abolition or uh, we think that this movement right here, uh, the goal, the end, the end goal will address all of those issues. We hope to replace what's currently uh, in in place, as far as the prison industrial complex, um, with more humane and effective of um, dealing with our, our social issues that we have in this country. You can find out more about the work that 
the whole Crystal Round Tree is doing at I am we Ubuntu U B U N T U one word dot com. Uh, that's I am we Ubuntu dot com. You can find out. Uh, you can follow um, the Millions for Prisoners on Twitter at M I L L I four the number four prisoners. Uh, you can also find them on Facebook at Millions for Prisoners March on Washington. Well, thank you so much, Crystal. Um, you know, we're going to continue to keep a very close eye on the work that you're doing and hopefully have you back soon. And I know that Kim and I are trying to figure out how we can get there so that we can uh, report on it. Um, so please keep us in touch. And I just want to thank you so much for the work you're doing and for the time uh, that you took to talk to us today. Yeah, same here. Thank you so much for uh, being with us today, Crystal. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Brian and Kim, and thank you to our guest, Crystal Roundtree, this week. We leave you with this reflection from two members of Jailhouse Lawyers Speak on how people on the outside can support the prison resistance of incarcerated people. Continue using your voice. That is, that is the most fundamental thing. We need people out there to continue to use their voices, you know, to continue to be our voices, to continue to echo what we're saying, to um, also... Uh, to, I always say we need to find uh, organizations that are directly connected with prisoners inside because what we find today is that most of the propaganda that's put out there today is put out against prisoners. It's put out against, uh, against uh, all areas of um, anything that relates to any heartfelt action or anything that's humane as it relates to prisoners, human rights, period. Um, so we need, we, we definitely need our voices out there because right now they're definitely moving on all angles to shut us down. If you look anywhere on the news, our voices are nowhere on the news. Right now you have our voice. You're carrying our voice. You're being our voice. Thank That's you. what we need, you know. We need more people that listen to us and try to get our words and our messages out because we are the new modern-day slaves, you know. We are the ones that are enslaved, you know. Um, and um, and I'm, I'm always one of the ones that say that, <clears throat> You, can't, you cannot fight against slavery without communicating with those that are actually enslaved. You know, you can't necessarily explain their situation without actually communicating with them. And today we have a lot of organizations out there that are not communicating with the prisoners themselves. They are not communicating with us. So because they're not communicating with us, we're not getting very far on the ground out there because it seems like every angle that these organizations try to take, they are not really assisting us but they are like piecemeal-type issues. So we never actually get at the root to dig up, you know, to dig at capitalism, you know, and we know what capitalism represents. We know how capitalism is tied directly into slavery, you know, but these are issues they won't address, and they don't want to hear us when we bring these issues up. So how can they get involved? How can they help us? Be our voice. Get involved with some, some local organizations that are directly tied with us back here, meaning us, meaning prisoner organizations that are actually back here fighting on the front lines, the ones that are being repressed, the ones that are being tortured, the ones that are being held in solitary confinement. Get on the same page that we are on because we are being tortured, we are being confined, we are being blindfolded and hogtied for a reason. You know, learn what those reasons are, why they want to silence us. We got an upcoming event on um, August 19th during Black August Resistance Month um, on the National Mall of Washington, D.C. 
we asking everybody, encourage everybody to get involved out there, to be out there, to bring their voices out there. We want to raise hell in the streets of America on August the 19th. We actually, if you can't be in Washington, D.C., find your local, find your local jail, protest in front of your local jail, protest in front of your local prison, protest on the state capitol. We want voices to be heard all across America to make our voices heard. So like my comrade Sunday here say, be our voice. Make yourselves heard on this issue. That's what they can do for us. Find some local organizations. Encourage them to get involved.